I mean, we can all just, we got it's a lot of stuff that may factor into why we lose, but like, they were just a better team. I mean, they're just a better team. I mean, we, they played that way. We, uh... All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Fair the Fans podcast, episode 27, presented by Doing the Most Media. I am your host, Dan Fairley, here with my co-host, Tyler Puska. And uh, the Boston Celtics are moving on to the second round of the NBA playoffs. Sweet, sweet victory. Revenge sweet, is sweet a, victory. Sweet victory. Revenge right. is, a be, is a dish best served cold. And boy, does this one feel good. Oh, my God. I Nobody expected it. I didn't expect it. Hell no. I don't think you did. It. I no. mean, just night in and night out watching that team play basketball is just an out. It's an absolute treat. It's an absolute treat. Right. I, I mean, I'm very excited to get into it, but, um, you know, it is Tuesday, April 26th, the day before the NFL draft. So we'll get into that a ton, but we still have a lot of NBA to talk about. Still a lot of rounds going on, but the main focus for today's episode is going to be the Boston Celtics because I know it's what everyone wants to hear about. It's what we want to talk about fresh off of game four yesterday, feeling ready, feeling ready to go. So I think without further ado, we, we, you know, we don't waste any more time. We get right into this game four recap. What do you say? I say you just jump right in. Swan so, Boston Celtics have swept Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Mass Native, Bruce Brown, and company in four games, winning game for 116 to 112. Tatum had 29 points. He obviously fouled out, which we'll talk about in great depth. Uh, Scott Foster for sure is going to get my airing of grievances. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just an absolute great game, great story, great series. Like, I don't know if you could have drawn that up any better than exactly what, what played out. No, this is like the, this was the dream scenario. This exactly. was like if everything goes right, this could definitely happen. And I mean, with the way they played defense against KD and Kyrie and just let all the other guys kind of just do their thing. I mean, it was just it was such a treat to watch. Like I've never yeah. seen a team compete like that in years, in years in basketball. And right. to watch like an NBA team in today's era compete that way on the defensive end of the ball was just, I mean, it's night and day. It's like, I don't have any other words to describe it. It's just, it makes me, makes me get, it gives me hope for the modern day NBA. Without question, you know, me and you, 27 episodes of this last 26 have just been spent bashing, bashing, bashing the NBA saying how it's soft. It's a soft league. It's full of free throws. Guys aren't team players. The way that teams are built just aren't the same anymore. It was very deflating as a, as a once a big fan of the NBA to, to be looking in from the outside and, and realize what the league was today. But the way that this Boston Celtics team is playing as well as other teams, in the league, like the Warriors and like, uh, like the heat, they play great basketball too. The way that these teams are winning games and showing the NBA and kind of making a statement for the whole entire NBA that this is winning basketball. Now we're not doing, you know, we're not doing super teams, not doing ISO ball. We're not doing, you know, throwing up Hail Mary shots and, and being the star player, have one guy rule the team. Even, even though that has won championships in the past, we're moving toward, we're moving away from that era of basketball and moving towards, you know, something that's, you know, basketball at its core is, mm-hmm. is team. It's a team game, five guys on the court versus you got five guys on the court. Gonna Every single player is going to play good defense and, and you're just going to try and beat the other team with the five guys you got. It's not an individual effort. So I think that's one of the key takeaways in this series. But yeah, like you said, going in last episode, episode 26, we were talking about, you know, could be Celtics in seven, could be Celtics in six, but it was going to be a close series. You know, the, the guys on the Nets are going to make their shots. 
it's going to be hard to handle it sometimes, but you knew the Celtics were going to pull it out. You didn't know, but you were hoping. Um, but you really just couldn't, like, if you're looking for the perfect scenario, Robert Williams missed two playoff games. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum were automatic. Marcus Smart, Derek White were defensive masterminds. Daniel Tice did his job, although he was incredibly frustrating at times. Um, Al Horford was was phenomenal. Oh. Katie and Kyrie were shut down the whole entire series and you limited their depth guys. Mm-hmm. What 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 went wrong that could have that could have gone wrong? I I think it was very Belichick esque in the way yeah. they played defense, and they said, okay. We're going to take KD away and we're going to make your other guys beat us. We're going to take Kevin Durant out of this conversation. And they did for the first three games. Game four, obviously he got hot. We knew it was going to happen. It's fucking KD. Exactly. But allowing Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, uh, Claxton, um, Patty Mills, Dragic, allowing them to take the big – Blake Griffin, allowing them to take the big shots – yeah, I, I'm taking that all day of the week. I want those exactly. guys taking the big shots. I don't want the ball in the hands of Kyrie and KD. Kyrie didn't even want the ball. Didn't Kyrie the didn't. Ball. Kyrie was so passive in, in Game Four specifically. He, that's when they needed him. They needed that switch to kick in like KD did, and it didn't happen. Obviously, he was ready to go home. I gotta give a huge shout out to Grant Williams and Al oh, Horford for my God defending KD this whole series. I mean, just, it was just. Relentless. Oh, Great Williams hitting th- three huge, huge threes mm-hmm. in a period where Brooklyn was making an 8-0 run. He takes one three. I'm like, this has to go in. I mean, if you're you're not having Tamer Brown or any of those guys take your shots, and Grant Williams is taking the big shot to kind of slow down and heat check this Brooklyn team, you gotta make it. And not mm-hmm. only does he make one, he makes three, all from the corner, all net, all perfect shots. Like, are you kidding me? And then it goes on to play the rest of the game and absolutely just take up so much mental real estate in Kevin Durant's head, play fantastic basketball for a guy that got a lot of flack from me personally, mm-hmm. you know, hand up was not the biggest Grant Williams guy. I was like, why, why is he getting minutes? Makes no sense. He's not athletic. He's not even tall enough to be a front court guy. And he kind of stuck, stuck up the middle finger. It's, it's kind of one of those things where Brad Stevens, the email Adoka, no basketball, you know, 10 times, maybe a thousand times more than the casual fans. So they obviously saw something in Grant that we didn't found a way to exploit his, you know, focal points and the stuff that he's good at. And he played a great series. And I think he was one of the, the, the defining factors. I think he had what, like close to 15 points. He had 14, he had 14 points on 66% shooting from the three point line. Listen, Are you I kidding me. Obviously Steph Curry. Yeah. Right. Grant Williams was somebody like you had said over since we had drafted him. Wasn't really, he kind of seemed like the next Yabu. I don't know if you remember. Oh my Yabu. God. Yeah. But he was kind of it kind of fit the mold for this for the next Yabu and whatever. Exactly. And then he went into the offseason and just worked on his three point stroke. And I mean he's he's like PJ Tucker. He's like automatic from the corner. He can defend one through five. Yeah. I mean, you, all the championship teams that I've seen over the years have a guy like Grant Williams. And props to him for going out in the offseason and working on his game and getting to where he's at. He played 33 minutes last night. Played 33 Deserve, minutes, Deservingly I mean, so. I mean, talk about finding where you can be useful to a team, working at it and doing just that. I mean, the way that this guy defends off switches and, and off guys that are, t- are bigger than him, he's not the biggest guy. He, he's I think he's like 6'6", maybe. He's yeah, like he's for, a 6'6", 6'7", 4'1". Yeah, for, for a front court guy that is severely undersized and teams see that and try to exploit it. But he's so physical and, and so technically poised that he's just an absolute joy to watch, which I never thought 
a year and a half ago, maybe even six months ago. I never thought I'd be saying that, but props to him because I mean he was huge. I mean he isn't, he isn't getting a lot of you know talk. You had Tatum drop thirty nine and twenty nine in games three and four and stuff like that. <clears throat> you had Smart and, and Derek White and all these guys dropping the twenties, but he was key, and especially for for how much we're harping on, you know, defense being a key for this team, and that's you know where they kind of succeeded. He was a key part of that. So, and like I gotta also Al Horford. I mean, just yeah. at his age to be able to defend Kevin Durant as physically as he did, but not only to do it on the offensive end too, especially in game one on the offensive glass, establishing that, but he just kept hitting big shot after big shot when we needed it the most, when we needed to extend the lead Al Horford. I mean, just night and day watching this fucking basketball team. Um, Daniel Tice too. Daniel Tice, same thing. Great on the defensive end. But he always – I feel like Daniel Tice always gets the baskets that he needs to make. The ones that you need him to make, he will make. Yeah, absolutely. I – you know, I know I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here. Mm-hmm. It's just the first round. There's still 12, 12 wins to go before they even win the championship. And, and who knows if they'll even get past the Bucks in the second round. Yep. But going into the season, it was, you know, you have JB, you have JT, you have Marcus Smart, you have Dennis Schroeder. You have all these good depth guys on the bench. Play good Josh defensively. Richardson. Yeah. You have all these good, good guys on the bench. Play good defensively. You don't have the front court. You just don't have the guys. Robert Williams can't stay healthy. You just traded for Al Horford, which made no sense. He was he was dust in Philly in OKC. He was absolutely worthless there. You have no idea why you're bringing back. He's, he's going to contribute nothing. Daniel, and then you trade for Daniel Tice at the deadline. You're like, come on, this guy again? <laughs> Thesis statement? Like, you, that's your move, Brad Stevens? You go you out and get Tice again? The he guy who like, starts the game with three fouls? Right, exactly, <laughs> automatically. You were just like, how, how are these guys going to beat? Because you saw Bam Adebayo in the bubble. Dominated mm-hmm. us. Dominated us. And then uh, Giannis has had his fair share of, of victories against us as well. So, you know, there are these – oh, and Joel Embiid, of course. And then you, have, you have all these, you know, big men in the East that you have to get through. And you just didn't think you had the front court. Those four guys, including Grant Williams, have stepped up and taken just a, a an absolute leap above what you were expecting and what you expected they could do. Mm-hmm. And, and they've, they've delivered. But, I you know, they just got to keep it up. So, like I said, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. But they played fantastic. They – I mean uh... – just like, I don't even have the words to describe how fun it was watching a, a basketball team just commit to actually playing defense and, yeah. and caring about the defensive side of the ball. But not only that, but to, to do it on the offensive end too. I mean, you look at the box score and you got Marcus Smart with 20 points and I think he had 11 assists or something like that. Jalen Brown had 22 Tatum fouled out. Had 29 points. He was fantastic. Shot 66% from three. And then he gets locked up with Goran Dragic, and Scott Foster has entered the chat. I'm ready. My my blood is has reached the Fahrenheit level where it's ready to boil. I'm ready to talk about Scott Foster. Scott Foster, you silver-haired fuck. <laughs> 0-13 were teams that were up in a series when Scott Foster was refereeing the game. Going in this game, I was like, there we go. We'll see in game five for Boston on presumably Wednesday or Thursday. We're not winning this game. The Boston Celtics are no regular team. They're not Philly. Nope. They're not uh, – who else? Who else did he uh, 
They're I not Philly. Uh, prob- probably the Timberwolves or Grizzly. But yeah, we're not Philly. Why? We're shutting this shit down. <laughs> Shut it down. Scott Foster did his best. I, for one, have always, always, just because, you know, I love the drama. I love the theater. I love professional sports. That's why we do this podcast. It's you know, why we follow it. That's why we love mm-hmm. it. I've always given leagues the benefit of the doubt when it comes to leagues being quote unquote rigged. Yeah. Last night was more than sufficient evidence that the NBA tries to extend series. Oh yeah. And, 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 and predict and, and manage the outcomes of games. Yep. I mean, cause that's six foul. Everyone knew it was just cause Goran Dragic was on it. It was probably something they thought they were like, yeah, Tatum likes to do this little box out thing. Just kind of fly back. They're going to call it. They need that revenue for game five. You're going to get Ben Simmons back for game five. It's going to be this whole entire thing. Yep. And here we are up seven with two minutes left. And then we're tied. <laughs> no JT. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, they, they're doing it. This is yep, the thing that's going to happen. This is this actually is on going Twitter to before the game. Everyone said that this, that this was going to happen. They were going to, yep. you know, throw their hat in the ring and they were going to dictate how this game ended. And I was like, I, I'm watching it right before my this, eyes. This is I bet on the Celtics. So, you know, I felt like Adam Silver was was trying to mess with my money. And I was mm-hmm. like, this is ridiculous. How can this happen? I'm screaming on my TV. I my I have my head, my my hands on my head. I'm like, this is, I can't believe I'm actually seeing this unhappen. They're not even trying to hide it. Not even trying to hide it. But Boston Celtics were like, no. 0-13, someone's got to be the one. Yep. Someone's got to be the one in 13. And it's going to be us. Yep. Jalen Brown goes down, hits a great shot. You needed him in that moment when JT yep. came out. You were no, you knew that J, uh, JB has been waiting all game to take that big shot. He's kind of been waiting all series to take that big shot. He played great in game two and had a lot of clutch shots there. But you knew Jalen Brown was going to insert himself in a big moment in the series eventually. And once Tatum went out, it was the perfect opportunity for him to do so. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what you expect of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. is like when you don't have one – the other has to step up. So exactly. when Tatum follows out, the spotlight immediately shifts to Jalen Brown. And I, I'm going to tell you right now, Jalen Brown wants that. Jalen Brown oh. wants the spotlight on him. He's like, okay, he needs Tat- Tatum's been outplaying me a little bit. Yeah. He follows out. Now it's, now it's my job to get this team to the second round. Now it's my yeah. job. And he did just that. Um, like, exactly. It, it, so just, I'll, exactly I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So it's, you know, the end of the third quarter, last possession, <clears throat> Marcus Smart has the ball, passes it to Jason Tatum. I think it was Patty Mills came up and was playing phenomenal defense on him, or Katie, I forget, but someone on the Nets was, was locking Tatum up and not letting him get the open space he needed for the shot because obviously he was looking for the shot. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Last, last possession, you know, goes for the buzzer beater. He wants the ball. Jalen Brown has some separation on, on Drogic or, or whoever was defending him, and he's clapping his hands, clapping his hands, clapping his hands. And I'm like, if Jalen Brown doesn't get the ball right now, he's going to lose his mind. He needs to get the shot because he feels like he has earned the right to be that guy for when Tatum's locked up, he's open, he's making that shot. Tatum drives inside, kicks it out to Derek White, who gets a wide open look, misses it, which if he made it, I feel like Jalen Brown would have been, you know, that upset. And he starts screaming at Tatum, like, why? Like, I'm wide fucking home, giving the ball. But that's exactly what you want to see. You want to see the guy that be like, okay, give me the ball if you're locked up. If they're doubling you, I got it. Yeah. That's that's the best part of, of, of NBA duos in basketball, to pick someone up when there's a double team. And that's, you know, it wasn't major, but when we talk about Jalen Brown wanting the ball in that situation, 
And then finally getting it at the end of the game, making that shot, it speaks volumes about the kind of player he is in, in clutch time, especially, which I don't know if you want to add anything else on Jalen Brown before I continue this next point. No, go ahead. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. So moving on to another narrative that I would like to speak on. And yes, first round, Dan, calm down. Getting way too ahead of yourself here. I don't care. I'm excited. Celtics just swept Kyrie, um, you know, Jason and, and Jalen, both two great players drafted by the Nets. Um, and they swept that very team while sticking to Kyrie and then KD, who is a world-class player. Like I said, you couldn't draw it up any better, but the narrative around Jason, Jason Tatum, which has been backed up with statistics is that he has not been a clutch shooter. Yep. When you're in clutch time, whether it's, you know, I think it's defined as a, as a one to five point game with less than two minutes left. Yep. Jason Tatum had not hit a single bucket all season. He had zero points going yep. into the playoffs. Every single big shot that this guy has taken has gone in, with the exception yeah. of one or two. In right? those four games, he could not miss within no. two minutes. And it's like I'm watching a I'm, – I'm, see, I'm dumbfounded. I can't even believe it. We are watching an entirely different player. This is, this is the Jason Tatum superstar that we were all waiting to right. see. That two-way brilliance that we saw at Duke and then significantly progressed – his first three, three years in the NBA. And now we get to this point where you're staring down one of the greatest players to ever play this game. And uh, one of the most talented guards to ever play this game. And he puts his foot down similarly right. to how Kobe, his mentor used to do Took it. the words right out of my mouth. That was Kobe point. used to do this shit all the time, all the time. And just take guys out by himself seemingly. And, like you got basically a, another Kobe in the making with this, with this unreal basketball team. How do you, who's going to stop them? Who I don't see who's stopping. We'll get them. to that. We'll get to that after we talk about this game. Cause we're going to talk about the, the rest of the rounds. It could be, like I said, I don't want to get too ahead of us. I I'm but, excited. Like yeah, you, I'm excited. I'm he, excited. You know, Kobe is obviously his mentor. He's always preached that. Um, but you were just waiting to kind of see the clutchness of, of Kobe instilled in him. And you really never saw it. Never I mean, saw yeah, he, it. He had some big shots against the box in a couple, like in years past and stuff like that. Some good buzzer beaters against the Pacers, whatnot. In the regular the, season. But you needed to see the big playoff game buckets. Yep. And almost in every single game, he's hit one of those. Game the buzzer one, the beater, buzzer game beater. one. Game two, I think he had um, a three in the last minute and a half to go up by five, which yep. is monumental. Um, game three, I don't really think there was one. Obviously, he had 39 points, so every single buck was a big one. Mm -hmm. And then game four, he had a three with two minutes left in KD's face to silence the crowd, slow down their momentum. And that was the moment where, I don't know about you, and I don't really know about you know any other NBA fans, but that's the kind of moment where I was like, yep, he's made it. Yep. He's jumped that tier. The light, the switch. That shot. The switch just went. That's, it's a, a, that's it's all a, I needed to say. third monumental bucket of the series in an elimination game for the, for the Nets and silences uh, an away crowd in front of Kevin Durant. What more, what, like, what, what more can you ask, ask for? Right? Exactly. So I, I was incredibly impressed about how he's developed his shots in the clutch because you're kind of surprised that he had zero points in the clutch in the regular season. And you were like, there's no way that's true, but it, it was. And you were just kind of waiting for him to take that step and, and kind of have that big moment where you're like, yeah, it's, you know, it was about time. You know, it was it was a long time coming, but you knew it was going to happen. Is what mm -hmm. essentially what I'm saying. So, 
very impressed by how he played in this series. Obviously, you're going to need him to step up in the next series as well because there's going to be teams that are a lot better defensively. But, uh, you know, you also have to give your due credit to guys like Kevin Durant. You know, 39 points and nine rebounds in game four. Um, Just an unstoppable force. Played 47 minutes. Uh, He was just incredibly impressive. The guy was the Kevin Durant you knew. He was taking all the open shots that that he was previously passing up, and he made – um, a good amount of shots, but he also missed some too. But he was just the Kevin Durant that was getting to that mid mid range spot, pulling up <clears throat> and cashing every single one of them because those are the shots you expect Kevin Durant to make. Okay, one one of the shots that KD had at the end of the game. Oh my that god, that one legged, the one legged yeah, three, three and then fucking Marcus Smart just turns around and looks at him, just like, what? like come damn, on. like come what? Because that dude, is they, they were that's five. Kevin Durant in a microcosm. That is yeah. that is what Kevin Durant can do. Exactly. Microcosm and he can get to be the one of the best pure scorers of the league's history by mm-hmm. not making shots like that. Albeit it was kind of a pointless shot. They were already down, what was it, like seven? Yeah. So so it really didn't do much. And then they fouled and it was up five. And it was basically ball game at that point. But um, you're just lucky he's making shots like that then and not in any of the previous games when it mattered. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm glad that he had his game in game four and we were able to contain it. But I think the Celtics stole that generally based off just how the refs were calling that game, how KD was playing. Um, I certainly thought when they were up 10 with like three minutes left, I was like, this is a lock. Um, but and then they slowly started crawling back. I was like, no, don't don't tell me I'm about to watch them absolutely melt down right in front of my eyes. Yeah, right. Ugh. But it didn't happen. Thank Christ. They got on Scotch free, which is great. But, um, you know, just going back to our initial predictions from from last week we had Celtics in six you were definitely hoping you weren't hoping but you were expecting um guys like Kyrie and Katie to be a little bit more consistent have their depth guys um kind of be more of pests towards the Celtics we uh, gave but, that respect to Katie and Kyrie we gave that respect doubt. and said hey they're gonna win they're gonna win Brooklyn a couple games like yeah just off and the I, sheer fact of what we know yeah I also gave my respect to guys like Andre Drummond Guys like LaMarcus Aldridge, who I thought was going to play a lot more minutes. Guys like Patty Mills and Bruce Brown, who I knew were great bench players. They turned out to be. Um, but yeah, the Celtics just outcoached, outplanned, and executed way better than they did. And that's the reason that, you know, they didn't get those two games that we thought they were going to. Um, I got one more thing on this series, too. I need to give a shout out to Blake Griffin because right. he is, I mean, he's bruised, he's battered. It's not the it's not the Lob City Blake Griffin we once no. saw, but he went out there in both of those games in Brooklyn and yeah. gave it his all. And I think that's important to point out because there is somebody else on the Brooklyn Nets who does he even want to play basketball anymore? Like I'm starting to question whether this guy wants to even be out there. I could care just, less. He's stealing money from that team. He is practically stealing money. I, if I was his teammate, I would have I would have lost zero respect. As a competitor, you mean you would have it, lost all respect? Yeah, yeah. My apologies. No, you're um, well, brain fart, huh? Jesus Christ! Right. Uh, as a competitor, though, when you go down 2-0, when you have, you know, like say say I was hurt, you go down 2-0. I would want to be in that game. Just give it what I have. If I'm only at exactly. you know seventy five percent. I will give you the 75% that I have for sure. And as like, as a fan and as a competitor and as somebody that loves the NBA, I just, I'm just questioning whether 
Ben Simmons wants to play basketball anymore. And you know what? I don't really want to see him anymore. If that's the, if this is going to be the case. Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you my take on it. The guy's under contract for the next three years. <clears throat> Just got traded in the Nets a couple months ago. He's without doubt going to be playing basketball there next year. Better be. He's going to have to earn that respect back from his teammates that he without question lost. I know there's been, a million, a million, a million, million takes over the last few days from guys at ESPN. I know Stephen A. Smith and, and Shaq and Charles Barkley were giving him his due diligence and stuff like that. I think it was definitely a spineless move to not play. He said there was a mental issue behind it. I don't know what the hell that means. Nope. It's none of our business. It'll never be disclosed. But yeah, you're definitely looking at a guy who just wasn't feeling like he wanted to play basketball. I think... <laughs> He, if I, if I have to give my prediction on why he didn't play, my guess is he saw something in his game that he didn't like and didn't think that he was going to be able to contribute to the level that he's used to and didn't want to be put in a game where he would be eliminated for the second season in a row. Because last game, the, the only game he played was the, was the elimination game. Yeah, he got eliminated there. So he didn't want to play two straight games where he was getting knocked out of the playoffs. <laughs> he didn't want to be embarrassed like that. He's like, I can't do it, which is an absolute egotistical move. It's cocky and it's spineless. And like I said, the only way that he can make it better is to, to earn his respect of his teammates and come out next season prepared and ready to go. But yeah, just that whole entire scenario with him in that goofy ass outfit on the side. I was going to say he's bringing attention to himself. He's, he like he's bringing down. that intention. To he's, himself. he's wearing orange highlighter jacket. He's wearing, wearing next color jacket. He's wearing next colors. Exactly. Next game. And like these stupid little glasses. He's standing up the whole entire game. He's making that was him making it all about himself. He's not like on the court directing the game like a coach. He's not adding that much. He wore bright col- colors to stick out. The if I was him, he's a fucking cheerleader, is what he if was. I w- exactly. If I was him, I would have sat at the end of the bench in street clothes. And shut the fuck up. That's and yeah. Make sure that I, I have zero attention drawn to me because everyone on your team is embarrassed by you and all the fans hate you. If it's so guy, bad, you traded James Harden for this guy. And James, well, I mean, we could talk about that. That that's a whole nother loophole because James Harden but, sucks now. <laughs> exactly. So I you know <laughs> you like were definitely hoping. You're definitely hoping when that trade went down that both teams lost. And they have so far. <laughs> they Obviously, have. both players are on a contract for next year, so it's you know under development, but. That was an absolutely absolute clown show from Ben Simmons and just an overall bad look for him, which is, you know, for a guy who's being compared to LeBron James when he was first drafted and for a guy that was in trade tra- trade talks with Jalen Brown to start the season. I'm just, I can't, I can't believe it ended up like this. I really, yeah. Can't. I, but, and one more thing, like I, I get it. Like mental health is not something to joke yeah. with. At and we all. know nothing about it. So. And we know nothing about it, but like, why even bother bringing that, attention to yourself like you you, you're just bringing you're just putting more on your mental plate at that point you're just you're just fighting yourself even more it's like go sit on the end of the bench shut the fuck up and then you know what maybe they win the game right and he works works hard and he gets back for game five and plays 10 minutes and the fans (laughs) are like hey thank god he's at least trying to play without question i mean for the fans they just wanted to see him go out there and try if you get out there and and you're and you're and you're and you can't you know, hold up your own weight with your back, then you can sit out and, you know, yeah. sit in a towel at the end of the bench, but don't neglect to play after playing five on five the whole entire week and then show up in this goofy traffic cone looking ass outfit <laughs> and make it all about you. Cause it just, 
it's bad look after bad look. But yep. like I said, he doesn't play for the Celtics. I won't think of him for the rest of the playoffs. He's 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 done. His season's done. He'll go rehab his back, and he'll hopefully try and regain the respect of fans, the league, team, everybody by next season. But I think he did that either because he's an egotistical bastard or his agent, Rich Paul, was like, go out there, get your name in the conversation for the game tonight. It's good for your, you know, your brand if people are talking about you and just be obnoxious because at the end of the day, sports is, you know, it's entertainment. It's a business. And yeah, it, exactly. It's a business. So the more the Ben Simmons gets talked about, probably the more money gets in his, in his pocket overall. So yep. I mean, that, that's really all, all I have to say about that. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm all good too. Right. So in, in terms of this game, to wrap it up, Kyrie in the postgame presser was talking about him not playing early in the season being a reason that, you know, the team was kind of faltering. He felt like he left his, left his team down by, you know, not getting vaccinated, not being able to play in Brooklyn and stuff like that, and that being the reason that they lost. You know, it's not because the Celtics were the better team. It's not because Kyrie didn't come to play. It was because he was a distraction in the team early season and they couldn't get it together, which is just absolute hogwash. And then you have KD get to the, get to the podium and, and he's like, yeah. Like there was, yeah, sure. There was factors, but they were the better team. Yeah. Katie's and just he, out there to hoop at the end of the day. Katie's exactly, just out so there to hoop. That's, that's why, that's why, why always, he's much more respectable. Yeah. You know, four years ago when he signed with um, the golden state, obviously he caught a lot of flack, but overall the guy's a good dude, genuine mm-hmm. dude, great teammate. Um, the moment between him and Tatum after the game was great. They went up and, and exchanged words, kind of like a passing of the torch. You, that's definitely what this series was. It was Tatum moving up to that upper echelon of KD and Kyrie, and not guys like LeBron, but he's definitely he's put himself in the superstar conversation. Exactly, he's gaining a momentous amount of respect, and he deserves it. So, um, you know, a little bit more post game. There was a video. And this is just speculation, just things that you know I noticed. There was a video of. Uh, Marcus Smart breaking down the team in the locker room. And in, in the corner was a Jalen Brown with uh, both of his hands kind of clasping his knee. Uh, you know, he did look a little slow out there towards the end of the second half. And he kind of hoped that it's nothing bad, but um, it's the playoffs. There's always going to be injuries. So we'll see if there's any developments on that and if, if he continues to look slow. But they have some days off. Obviously, the Bucks and um, the Bulls don't play till <clears throat> tomorrow night. So we won't know until tomorrow night. And my guess is there'll be a two day gap and game one will presumably be on Friday or Saturday. So they got mm-hmm. a couple of days, you know, four or five days to kind of break that down and get ready for the next series. And hopefully he's good to go. But I think, uh, you know, that's really all we have to talk about with that. I don't know if you want to extend on that at all, but um, no, yeah, definitely I, a great series. I mean, it, night and day. It's just like right. watching a team compete like that. And in today's modern NBA, when everything's so slowed down, it's a pick and roll and a three and like yeah. watching them run the break, all five of them together, watching them play defense as a collective group. I mean, it's, it's so good for basketball. It's so good for basketball. Exactly. It's, it's phenomenal. And all those, the, you know, the naturally never got a game and it was never got to a competitive series. Every single game was tight and entertaining. So that's really all you could ask for. I want to drown up a better way, but it's obviously definitely going to have their hands full with whoever they play next. Oh yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> with that said, we will move on to the NHL. Unless you wanted, did you want to touch on anything else in, in round two for NBA? No, I mean, they're obviously the, the buck series has been pretty good. Um, Miami looks like a number one seed, the, the way they're shutting down Trey young, uh, 
Golden State, I mean, holy That's fuck. That's your contender. Please. Watch yeah, out. We'll talk about this real quick. We'll talk. Yeah, about this watch out for Golden State, man. I mean, that that DEFCON 5 lineup they could roll out with Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Draymond, Andrew Wiggins, and then I don't know if they're yeah. getting Wiseman back at all. I'm not too sure. I wouldn't. I wouldn't quote even if they do. That. He, you know, he isn't an incredible contributor. But I will speak on Jordan Poole real quick. This was a guy for when he played with Michigan, kind of in Michigan's better days of college basketball, three or four years ago when they're making March Madness. You know, they're making noise. He was a guy that was automatic, great team point guard, knew how to ran the offense, was just absolutely fantastic. And uh, you know, he went to Golden State after they had a couple off years. Uh, and now he's meshing fantastically with Steve Kerr and this team. He, I mean, from going to where he was at Michigan, hitting big shot after big shot at, at Michigan, and then he goes to the G League. He goes to the G League and spends two years in the G League, develops his game to more of an NBA level, and now he looks like the fucking third splash brother at this rate. This is getting exactly. ridiculous. Which is something they didn't need. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Not one bit. <laughs> so that series is, is, is three, one, obviously I don't see the nuggets really making any noise. <clears throat> Essentially that team's just, you know, Jokic and I was going to say, I had a feeling that joke, like the Joker was going to be able to steal them one, yeah. maybe two games, but that, yeah, team's, that team's a wagon too, man. That Warriors team's a wagon. Exactly. They're, they're right up there with the Celtics. They're favored over the Celtics to win the championship. And I can mm -hmm. definitely see it. Um, you know, but the Celtics and, and the Warriors both have a lengthy way to go before they even meet each other. So that's all hypothetical. Uh, but really, all the, the rest of those series aren't, you know, anything special. You didn't have uh, Luca for Dallas against the Jazz and stuff like that. Uh, so Jalen Brunson took over with 41 points. Um, that series is 3-2 in Dallas's favor. It's all just going to start wrapping up. There's not an incredible amount to talk about when it comes to all the rest of the series. But um I feel like the second round is definitely going to have a lot more to offer. Oh, yeah, 100%. Those series are going to be fucking smash-mouth basketball, especially yeah. in the East. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. And the 76ers are going to a game six with the Raptors. Yeah. Who would have thought? Toronto is Rivers going to do fits. it again? It I'll ask you that question. Yes. You he think is. he's going to do it again? Yep. I, I just – unless James Harden throws a switch, unless he finds – his game again, I don't see – I don't know. I don't think Doc Rivers is a good coach anymore. I think – but, but dude, yeah, I don't think he's a good coach anymore either. He's been giving a lot – he's been giving given a lot of talent and really not been able to make the most out of it. But I'll tell you, if you have good games out of Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid, Toby Harris, and those guys, you can steal a game from the Raptors. That's all you need. You need one out of three. Mm -hmm. You just can't lose – two in a row now i can see it happening that's that's the right that's what i will say i i'm not gonna put it i won't be surprised i'm not gonna bet on the Raptors winning the series no but i wouldn't saying. i yes i agree but all i will say is i wouldn't be surprised if yeah it happens and, again and uh the joel Embiid stuff i don't know if you saw this um but he had some choice words for um doc rivers and james harden alike um, last night or two nights ago after the game. Essentially, Embiid said on, on Harden, only taking 11 shots in game five. I've been saying all season since he's got here, he needs to be aggressive and he needs to be himself. That's not really my job. That's probably on coach to talk to him and tell him to take more shots. 
which yep. take that as you will, but that seems like a serious Doc Rivers, do your fucking job. Like I'm trying to be out here, play basketball, drop 40, be the big man that this team needs. I don't have time to be yelling at the other superstars because my guess is James Harden doesn't listen to Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid's been doing this for fucking years. He's been getting right. no help for years. He's been lights out for for two, three years now, and he's getting no fucking help. I would absolutely be frustrated with the coaching staff yeah. and James Harden for not helping him out. This is his fucking team. Yes. He's, he's doing his job. Now he needs his coach, his other superstar, Tyrese Maxey, Toby Harris, all those bench guys to do their job as well. Right. But I think, I don't know if it's just the caliber of player that keeps, you know, coming into his lap as a, as a second guy, but he seems to have a tendency of throwing guys under the bus. <laughs> yeah. I don't like, obviously this isn't an extreme quote. It's just him saying that the coach needs um, to tell him what to do, but Embiid's playing on a torn ligament in his, in his thumb. Obviously, he's trying his best out there. He doesn't want to lose another series, especially in the first round, and especially to, to the, the Raptors. Raptors. So I think he's just a little frustrated. But in terms of having good team chemistry, having positive morale in the locker room, you probably shouldn't be saying stuff like this when you guys are in the midst of potentially blowing a playoff series. <laughs> so yeah. that's all I'll say. Fair Obviously, point. We can touch on it when the series ends. Um, I probably see the 76ers wrapping this one up, but uh, – Team morale in the room definitely isn't good after that quote from Embiid. So no, it ain't. No, I would it definitely ain't. refrain from saying stuff like that. So with that said, we'll move on to the NHL. I don't, are you good with, with round two? Yep, good with round perfect. two. Okay, perfect. So that's all the NBA talk. I think it's the longest we've ever talked NBA besides it was fantastic. we talked about the Suns last year, um, which we will get into. They're in a little bit of a lull right now, but they'll get out of it. We're still Once they get Devin podcast. Booker back, they'll get Devin still Booker back. Podcast. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm not worried. Not worried about the boys in purple and orange. So that said, we will move on to the NHL. We don't have an incredible amount to talk about, but we do have one thing we want to talk about. And that is, was it last night? Two nights ago. La- yeah, I was going to say, I think it was two nights ago. Sunday night's game, Vegas and the San Jose Sharks. I mean, when you talk about theater, theater <laughs> in, in sports, this is as good as it got. Going into this game, the amount of trash talk from guys like Timo Meyer, even Joe Pavelski was talking about it. He's not even on the Sharks anymore. All the guys on the Sharks going in, they go, we know what's at stake here in this game. And that is the Sharks wanted to play spoiler against the Golden Knights. And boy, did the Sharks Twitter have an absolute field day with this. Oh, yeah. Just posting a million memes about how no one's rooting for the Golden Knights. Because I don't know about you. I am a serial Golden Knights hater. I don't like them either. And I think that like all the Vegas fans are like upset. It's like, no, this is your welcome to the fucking NHL moment. Right. Like this is your, this is your first fucking time. You're going to see your team not make the playoffs. Exactly. Deal with it. Happens yeah, to everybody. Yeah, deal with it. Every team in the league history has, has missed the playoffs once. Believe it or not. Yeah. Believe it or not, maybe the desert is numbing your brain. We the don't sun. all get to go to the Stanley Cup Finals in our first fucking season exactly. as a franchise. And the reason, so I don't hate it because of the success they've had, because they drafted well, unlike the Kraken. They drafted well in the expansion draft. They were smart about that. And then they used the stuff that they drafted in the expansion draft to go out and get good players like Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and Jack Eichel. But what I don't like is how they treat their players as an organization and how they treat how they treated Gerard Gallant. Obviously, Marc-Andre Fleury left the place that he was his whole entire career to go there. 
played his ass off. Won a Vesna trophy. And Went then to the, the Stanley Cup second. Finals. Yeah. And so, and then, and then Gerard Gallant also builds that team up from the bottom and coaches them to a Stanley Cup final. Phenomenal job. Yep. He gets canned surprisingly out of nowhere. And obviously, this is old news. This happened two or three years ago. Came out of nowhere. Everyone's like, that's kind of odd, but you know, whatever, George McPhee, whatever, you know, organizational board, whatever, you know, board of directors, whatever you want to call it, whoever's making those decisions. That was odd. And then they go. They trademark Andre Fleury. They let him go. Pete DeBoer comes in, kind of destroys the team chemistry. I get it. They made it to the Western Conference Finals last year. They had good assets. But the way that they've been dealing and kind of selling guys around that were key components of that team just four years ago is just disrespectful. It's you got to have some loyalty. Yeah, it's trashy. These, these are people. These are players. The fans get attached to these players. And for you to just sh- ship them out for the next shiny toy – I can't respect it, especially since, you know, those players don't really make your team better, i.e. Jack Eichel. So now that they're not having success with Robin Lehner, they're kind of going against him too. A guy that they replaced, Mark andre Fleury, who was kind of the heart and soul of their team with Robin Lehner. And now they're going after Robin Lehner. They deserve everything that mm-hmm. is coming to them. Yeah. Everything. So when I see that the Sharks are down 4-2 with two minutes left, I'm like, shit, Vegas is going to make the playoffs. This sucks. So, yeah, they uh, obviously were down 4-2. And then Nick Bonino, Nicky B, you know, Pittsburgh Penguin, Predator, great guy, New England guy, gets one unassisted with two minutes left to make it 4-3. You're like, okay, they can make it a game here. They can make it a game. Sustaining pressure in the O-zone with the, with the net pulled, 4-3 game. Vegas cl- fails to clear the puck <laughs> two or three times. <laughs> and you're like, dude, if this come back, if this comes back to bite them, I will love it. I will love every second of it. And lo and behold, Logan Couture throws a puck on net. It goes off the end boards, bounces right to Timo Meyer, who was the one talking shit all week. And he buries it with a second left, a second left. And Logan Thompson is just dumbfounded. He looks up at the clock. He's like, please tell me that that, that clock hit triple zeros for that puck got in. <laughs> Timo Meyer is doing the, uh, the the fingers in the ear, the kind of the deafening goal. He's yeah. flexing, absolutely loving every second, skates right over to the Sharks bench. They're losing their minds. And they're like, and I'm I'm sitting here, I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> this is perfect. I'm watching the Vegas Golden Knights crumble before my very eyes. A team that I once loved back in their heyday of, of pure grit. I'm watching their fans just sitting there and in, in disgrace for the first time since 2018, I'm watching these fans suffer and it is beautiful. Um, obviously you had some, some good OT play, nothing there, but then it goes into a shootout. Nick Waugh, who is notorious for uh, getting shut down by um, Spencer Knight in the 2018 world junior classics and to lose against USA team with uh, Jordan Greer, Charlie McAvoy, Kiefer Bellows, and, and Adam Fox and company. Uh, he misses. James Reimer was straight up ridiculous in this game. Optimus Rhyme, baby. The, the Rhyme Minister. Probably <laughs> playing one of his best games of the year. Obviously, he let up four goals, but he shot it down when he needed to. And then Thomas Bordalo, Michigan, his fifth baby. NHL game out of Michigan, uh, notorious roommate of NHL Bruins prospect Johnny Beecher comes in and just has the sickest 
stride deke on in the backhand <laughs> floats it into the empty net logan thompson is beside himself yeah he was just so and there you knew that all the karma that was stacked on top of the golden knights crumbled down on them and you know san jose pours out of their bench like they just won the stanley cup thomas portal talked after the game he said there's uh one goalie that has ever stopped that move in a shootout. And that was um, Michigan goalie uh, Portillo, Eric Portillo. Uh, he, so he knew that that he was going out there. He was pulling off that move. And there wasn't a likely uh, thing that could stop it. Vegas was minus 380 going into this game. And I would love to know what they were for two with two minutes left. I, I would have loved to jump on that because that would have won me a lot of money. But I love it. Obviously, um, the Sharks have a must-win game or the – the Golden Knights have a must-win game against the Stars. Either tonight or tomorrow that they have to win or they're out of the playoffs. They have a 15% chance to make the playoffs now. It's just beautiful. I, uh, obviously, it's, it's Western Conference awesome. stuff, so I can't get too invested in it, but I love it. I loved every second of it. Literally just deja vu of Game 7 when yeah. these two teams went at it back in 2019. Um, Boy, yeah, these teams hate each other. This is and a, they this don't, turn into a pure a, rivalry. It's a great Vegas rivalry. Will, Vegas Vegas will remember this. Oh, yeah. No, this yeah. has got the makings for a great rivalry, and I'm oh, no excited. Question. These teams don't like each other straight up. I mean, there's, my roommate, there's no my roommate is, is a Sharks fan. Um and boy, does he hate this team. That's fucking awesome. I love it's awesome. that. I, yeah, I, he went to bed when he was four to two. I woke up when it was tied and, and we were watching the, the Bordalo goal and it was huge. It was huge because I don't know, great little sprinkle of entertainment for the end of the season. Obviously at the end of the regular season, t- teams are kind of shutting it down, especially in the East because everything's basically locked up with, you know, a little bit of season seating that needs to be changed. But to get a little bit of entertainment like this at the end of the season was perfect. It was the cherry on top. I mean, just good, you know what? Good riddance. You know what? It's about time these Vegas fans understand what it's like being an NHL franchise and not having everything just fucking spoon fed to you. Exactly. Like, you go out, you, you you go out and you get rid of you get rid of Gallant, you get rid of Fleur, you bring in Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Alex Petrangelo, Robin Leonard. Right? You are supposed to be a fucking sick team. You're supposed yep. to be a sick team, and you're not even going to make the playoffs. And now there are 31 other NHL franchises pointing their finger at you and laughing at you. Right. I mean, I I think how active they are at the trade deadline and acquiring players is good for the game. I don't like how they're trying to be the most stacked team in the league and just beat guys with skill. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I don't love that, but I do like how, I do think it's good for the game, how active they are in acquiring players and kind of throwing their hat in the ring when it comes to trades. I think it's incredibly entertaining and stuff like that. Uh, but I'm glad they're missing the playoffs. Me too. I'm not a Pete DeBoer guy, um, especially with the stuff I heard about Robin Lehner, about how he was trying to get him to play through surgery and whatnot and kind of denying the rumors that he had to get surgery. So I am not a Pete DeBoer guy through and through, and I'm glad that uh, the Sharks beat their former coach and, and knocked this guy out of the playoffs for good. Because mm-hmm. I 50% chance, I don't think it's very likely. It would take a lot, um, but I hope this is the end of the Golden Knights for sure. Me too. Fuck them. So, anything else to add on that? Nope. I'm good. All righty. Now we move on our second big piece of news on the day. And that would be the NFL draft. So the NFL draft is tomorrow. The start of it. Probably, definitely, maybe the most underwhelming NFL draft of mm-hmm. all time. Yeah. This was fucking brutal trying to do yeah. this mock draft. It was brutal. Exactly. 
So obviously we're going to try our best to kind of dig out the studs in the draft, where they could go, where teams need players, this, that, and everything. So um, with that said, I think I'll let you just start off because yeah. you okay. probably are a little bit more educated. Obviously I've been big on end of regular season and, and NBA playoffs, but we're going to try and, and give the most educated opinions. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah. So uh quick disclaimer here to mock draft. I mean, I'm just doing off. I'm just doing it based off what I think can happen. Everybody does fucking mock drafts. You've seen it a million. Yeah. People have seen these like millions of times. So I figured, okay, I'm going to do some weird stuff. I'm going to do some stuff that fits the narrative. We'll jump right into it. Number one overall, Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan, the edge rusher. There's been the argument in Jacksonville where the owner wants Hutchinson and the GM wants Trayvon Walker. But who's going to make you, who's going to sell you the tickets? Who's going to bring people to the stadium? Aiden right. Hutchinson. So Aiden Hutchinson is going to go first overall, in my opinion. Yeah. I could see, obviously, people are talking about Trayvon Walker from um, Georgia, uh, from Georgia, the defensive lineman. He was he was great from the stuff that I've seen, the the highlights that I saw. But uh, I definitely think that Aiden Hutchinson, like you said, for a team that definitely needs it and definitely needs, you know, guys that they can put on billboards and sell tickets. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson is that guy. Trayvon Walker really isn't. Um, so I don't really know who it could be. Could be either. Um, I'll probably say that, that Aiden Hutchinson goes first to, to Jacksonville and Trayvon Walker goes second. But then again, there's, there's interviews, there's inside sources that we're not really tapped into. Yep. So we don't really know, um, but it could be either of those guys, but I'll let you continue. Number two, Trayvon Walker to the Detroit Lions out of Georgia. I mean, I think that's a, that's a no-brainer. I mean, without you question, give, you give Dan Campbell a, an, an edge rusher to work with. I mean, mm-hmm. just trying to continue to build for the future. I mean, it's, it's obviously not a good football team right now. Um, third overall, I think this is just best case, uh, just taking best player available. I went Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU, the corner. Really? Uh, Houston needs playmakers on the defense, in my opinion. And I think going so – you don't Stingley, like Sauce Gardner? You don't like Sauce Gardner I, there? I like – I think Stingley definitely has more upside over Sauce Gardner. Gotcha. No, all due respect. Yeah, and I mean, it, it can go anywhere. It could, sauce could go in this spot and Stingley could go where I put sauce. But. Exactly. So, but those are definitely the, the, the two premier cornerbacks in the draft. And then four five and six here. I have the, the three best offensive linemen going. I got, he came uh, a Kong going to the New York jets yep. out of North Carolina state fifth overall. I got Evan Neal out of Alabama going to the giants and number six overall. There has been talks about Malik Willis, and I will throw that in there. Malik Willis could definitely go at six because this is where I've kind of heard it. Uh, I went Charles Cross out of Mississippi State, big tackle. They don't have offensive line. You think Carolina would go with Willis over an offensive lineman? Yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility just judging on the fact that there is not many good quarterbacks. And, I mean, no. Malik, Malik Willis is a project QB. He's not going to come in – and be he's not going to be your starter day one. He's going to have to sit behind somebody. So mm-hmm. at eight, the Atlanta Falcons select Malik Willis out of Liberty. He's going to sit really? behind Marcus Mariota, a, a fellow dual threat quarterback. He's going to sit behind him for a year in Atlanta, and we'll see what happens after that. They need obviously they just traded Matt Ryan, moving towards the future. You take Kyle Pitts last year. I don't know. I I think Malik Willis could fit. For the Atlanta Falcons, but so I, I'll, I'll ask you this. I'll ask you, do you see 
Kenny Pickett going anywhere in the top 10 or 12? Not 10 or 12, no. No. I, I don't see it. I, I think that's kind of the genuine consensus is that he's not yeah, I have no, he had a horrible pro day, horrible training, uh, horrible combine, and obviously his arm speed isn't, or his arm strength isn't where it needs to be. But I, I just didn't know if if teams had more faith than 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 you know. You I do. think one team's gonna be like dumb enough to take Kenny Pickett, and the I Steelers. I, yeah, <laughs> I got yeah. going twenty to the Steelers. I, I think yeah. obviously, you know, tragic what what happened to Dwayne Haskins, but right. you get Mitchell Trubisky. Why not throw Kenny Pickett's fucking name yeah. into the hat at that point? Like, what what else do you I mean, have kid, to lose? You don't the really kid has need shown much in college that he can play. Yeah, and there's good coaches there in in Pittsburgh. That's no doubt. You have Mike Tomlin. You have you have Brian Flores. You just let Duck Hodges go. You definitely need a quarterback. Yep. So I think it's a good move, especially at twenty. He could even be there in the second round if if you want to wait. But yep. Um, from what I've heard, it's been nothing but bad things about Kenny Pickett. So it's one of those guys you just might want to take a chance on, um, you know, but we'll see, like I said. So at number nine, I, this is a very weird spot for me because it's Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. But like, if you're Seattle at nine, like why not take him? Like if he slips to you at nine, why not get him? Like he has the potential to be the best edge rusher in this class. And obviously He's got some extra baggage, like outside of the, uh, right outside of the locker room. Obviously, some character issues, I guess, have kind of popped up. But yeah, at nine, if I'm Seattle and Kayvon's still on the board, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer for me. That's just kind of what what I was going off of. Um, so, so this is what I think on the kid. I think he is one of the most talented, most phys- physically gifted players in the whole entire draft. Mm-hmm. He, you know, was projected to be a top five pick, and then you know. They started finding out about some outside stuff. His interviews weren't too good. But I think if you pick him and you give him some good veteran players that kind of teach him how to be a pro and grow up a little bit, he's going to be known as one of the best players in this draft. Yep. So I think he's worth taking the risk. So that's why I think I think Seattle will. Obviously, yep. uh, they took a chance on DK Metcalf, who – didn't have a great pro day. People said he didn't know how to run run routes, but Pete Carroll saw all these things and these guys that other teams didn't, and they figured, oh well, I can coach him. I can mm-hmm. tell him how to do this. Yep, and I can get the most out of him. So I think I think Kayvon at nine is a, is a lock. I think that is beautiful. Oh, for I forgot at seven I went uh, to the Giants, their second first round pick, which they definitely I think they might trade out of, but just yep. for the sake of the draft, I went George. Uh, Carl Philitis out of Purdue, the edge rusher. He is another physically gifted size, speed coming off the edge. And I mean, they need something on defense, man. The Giants need to do something. And I think getting an edge rusher with that, you know, potential caliber, I could see Thibodeau go to that spot too. Like, this draft is like, there's no set spots. What? Have you put Kyle Hamilton anywhere? Not yet. He slipped. I made him slip. I see him going seven. I don't think I don't think teams like him. I don't think yeah, I think he had a shit pro, yeah, uh, had I a don't shit like pro day. I don't like I don't him. like him, but I think if there's anyone stupid enough to take him, it's the Giants. Plus <laughs> they they haven't drafted a secondary guy in the first round in a very long time. So I think they do it. And it could easily like at 5 and 7, you could easily take Sauce Gardner who I have going 10 to the Jets. Exactly. I yeah. think um I think if you're the Jets at 10, you look at your secondary and you say, okay, our, this is an absolute win if we get Sauce Gardner here. 
Exactly. We need some. Uh, we need somebody like that in our secondary. I see. I see the Jets going wide receiver just based off their hesitance or not hesitance. Uh, you know their necessity of of going and getting a wide receiver after missing on Tyree Kill. That seems to be at the front of their you know to do list. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I see him going that route. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you continue on. Yeah, but in all honesty, like I don't see why they want a wide receiver so bad when you just paid Corey Davis. You have Jamison Crowder who are yeah. not – they're not elite wide receivers by any means, but they're good. They're good yeah. enough. And you just exactly. signed C.J. Uzama, a good tight end. Like, let's protect – let's at least they protect definitely Zach Wilson. Piece. Yeah. That, um, Zach Wilson isn't a quarterback that can do the things that guys like Tom Brady can where they can take these average receivers and, and put them above the top. So I think the, the Jets kind of know that, and they kind of want to get them a, a, a guy that they can rely yeah. on to be that pure number one guy. So – if you're at 10 right now with all the wide receivers that you could take, which one do you Chris want? Olave. Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. Without question. From what I've seen, based on the plenty of college games that I've watched from him, the kid is just purely automatic in terms of speed route running and stuff like that. What? What? Just wait till the draft. Just wait till it keeps going. Just wait till it keeps going. Oh, why? Do you have him at 30? No, 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 no. He's not. He doesn't slip that far. He does. He didn't. Okay. So gotcha. ele- I, so I, I think Chris Olave could be their guy. Obviously, I like Jameson Williams too, but mm-hmm. it's it's a toss up. Um, but from what I've seen and based on pure professional upside, I'm taking Chris Olave. Mm-hmm. So at eleven, I've heard that the Commanders kind of want to trade this pick, and I can see some team being desperate to trade this pick if, yeah. like, trade up to get like a Malik Willis if he continues to slide. Um, yeah. I went Devin Lloyd out of Utah. They okay. need an inside linebacker really bad. They have a fantastic front four, but they don't have any linebackers. So I think you go out and you get the best linebacker in the draft here at 11 at 12 uh, Minnesota Vikings, new head coach, Kevin O'Connell. I was hearing him talk and he wants, he wants playmakers on his defense. So when I looked at the Minnesota Vikings over the past few years, since they lost, like, no, they got – so they signed Pat Pete, right, and they yeah. had Xavier Rhodes, and that didn't really work out. So I went Trent McDuffie out of Washington, the corner. I think that they definitely need to start thinking about improving their secondary if they want to be a good football team. For sure. Uh, at 13, I got the Houston Texans taking Kyle Hamilton because why the there hell not? Right. When, when, uh, when I was doing the mock draft and they were showing positions of need, uh houston's positions of need were uh everything everything they Why literally not? was 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 everything get as many best players especially at 13 which is it's, mm-hmm. it's not an incredibly premier pick but if you can get a guy who is a top talent at 13 mm-hmm. what the fuck do you have to lose yep exactly so, i would also like to say back to that wide receivers talk which yeah, cool. you'll mention you'll mention his name soon enough i'm taking Jahan Dotson in that same category as guys like Jameson Williams and Chris Olave. Wow. The guy catches everything, (laughs) everything. I don't know if you watch him a lot at, at Penn state. He was a step above everybody, everybody. And I pray to God that this kid falls all the way to uh, 21 because I could, I could give a fuck if you need offensive linemen for the Patriots. I don't care what you need. If you need, if you need a middle linebacker, Jahan Dotson can play for me any day. So well, I'll think let you about continue. it. Think about it. Right. The only defensive guy I would take 
if I was the Patriots at 21, if he got to me, was was is Devin Lloyd, the linebacker. Yep, and exactly. he's already gone. Yeah. He's gone at 11. So right. we've moved on. 14, Baltimore Ravens. I went a little bit off the board here. Well, not off the board, but I went Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Okay. Big ass D tackle. Oh my God. They needed, when I was looking at needs, it said they needed D line really bad. So I said to myself, okay, so why not go get this absolute fridge of a human being and stick them at the nose tackle? Like, why not? And then why not? not? Uh, Eagles here at 15. I went linebacker, uh, Nicole Dean out of Georgia. 16, the Saints, I went wide receiver Jamison Williams out of Alabama. I think that's okay. I th- I I think he's definitely got the most upside yeah. in the draft as a wide receiver. Uh 17, I went uh for the Chargers. I went Bernhard Ramin out of central Michigan. Come he's a tackle. Dude, you they kill need it with the pronunciation. They need they need O line too. And they, they started to do it with Rayshon Slater. Now let's go, let's get the other side done too. Let's get another right. tackle. Lock it up. At 18, you have Justin Herbert. You might as well lock up your future for the O-line as well. You want to know why I was laughing earlier? So at 18, this is the supposed to be the Philadelphia Eagles spot. Yeah. The New England Patriots have traded up to the 18th spot. Oh! And they are selecting selecting wide receiver Chris Olave. I'd take it. I'd take it. I think they this need, kid is We need auto. speed. We don't – we need speed on the outside. That's yep. – the one thing I feel like we're lacking, we have Kendrick Bourne and and uh, Jacoby Myers who can run middle-of-the-field routes really efficiently. You got a big deep ball threat now in uh, Devontae Parker. You don't have a, a, a real speed threat, and I think no, that Chris Olave – We Olave never really have can, besides since, – since Brandon Cooks. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Julian Edelman can fly, but you're talking about like deep – Deep no, guy. like like speed, like yes, four two six oh. speed, and exactly. I think that obviously Bill's not going to fucking trade up, but no, exactly. So that's any, what I'm saying. Yeah, we are calculating what we want over what the Patriots need, since so just because we're being fans. Uh, I I don't. There, Bill never trades up. I know he doesn't, but this is like the only scenario where I could really see him doing it because they need speed on the outside, and they don't have it. I hope I'll Bill realizes it, but yeah. he ain't fucking realizing it. Come on. A no, man can dream. No, he realizes it, but I think he would rather get John Mechie in the third round than draft than trade up in the first round and lose a second round pick, which you know how much he values those. So I don't see that happening. I can so see the, him taking a wide receiver at 21, mm-hmm. um, but I think he would rather take a wide, a good wide receiver in the third round over taking a guy like Chris Olave in the first yep. round when so, you could get a middle linebacker or an old line, which I think is, is the likely – scenario the trade that i made and it went through it's pretty much like the nhl trade system where everything fucking goes through so we traded 21 85 and 158 to the eagles for 18 and 101 which you could take that as you wish they're probably not going to do it but if there was ever if if there was ever a spot that i think that they could trade up only three spots and make a huge addition to this roster i think chris olave does exactly that for sure 22 22 this is was the saints pick i had the packers trade up a couple oh no this is 19 i had the packers trade up from 22 trade 22 and 132 and a third next year to the saints for 19 and 98 i got the packers taking drake london the wide receiver out of usc 6'4 buck 87 um big physical 
going to go up and get you the ball. And I mean, fucking Packers need a wide receiver. I mean, you, you exactly. just lost the best wide receiver in football. Yep. You got to, you have to make a move, right? And you, but they haven't you done have anything. To. So obviously it's a, it's a big loss. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a generational talent, but you got a lot of draft picks. The one thing you can't do is not fill his spot with those yes. draft picks, whether it's trading them for a guy who can fill his spot, mm-hmm. like an AJ Brown or, or a DK Debo Metcalf, Samuel or a Debo, or a Debo Samuel. Samuel. Exactly. So I think if you are, um, what is it? Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur. Yep. If you're Matt LaFleur, you're the GM of the Packers. You have to do what you got with those picks and replace it quick because Aaron Rodgers, you just signed him to a contract, but he's not going to be patient. No. You need someone, whether it's it's getting a, a wide receiver in the draft that's NFL ready or using the picks that you got to trade for one. I feel like that's your, your key necessity going in. Absolutely. And then, like I said earlier, at 20, I have Kenny Pickett going to the Pittsburgh Steelers out of Pittsburgh. I mean, just kind of makes sense fit wise. Like yeah. they don't, they need a quarterback. Um, 21, the Eagles, they traded back. I have them getting Zion Johnson out of Boston College. And here's why Brandon Brooks and I think uh, Lane Johnson are there two big offensive linemen and they're both old now. They're both 35. They're both going to retire soon. Why not already, why not fill that void with a, with a potential, another generational talent guarded Zion Johnson. Exactly. Uh, 22. I had the saints take Tyler Smith, a little bit of a reach. He's a tackle out of Tulsa. They need, uh, I think they needed the right tackle because they lost all oh, who they lose to Miami Ram check. I want to say they lost a really good right tackle. So I got them filling that spot. 23. I got the Cardinals taking Tyler Linderbaum, the center out of Iowa, the, the only good center in the class they have. Yeah. They have Ronnie Hudson, but obviously he's not going to play forever. And why not have somebody that you can pair with, uh, Kyler Murray for the rest of his career, pretty much. No, for sure. And I feel like the Cowboys, with how they've been in, in drafts past, they love their dominance offensive linemen who come right out of the draft and are ready to play immediately. You had guys like like Zach Martin and Lyle Collins and stuff like that. Um, and, and I feel like every single time they draft an old lineman, it's a home run. And I feel like from what I've seen out of this kid, it's it's more the same. I could definitely see da- Dallas is at 24. I could definitely see them jumping up even more to get another O-lineman. I have them taking uh, defensive lineman Devontae Watt, Wyatt out of Georgia, um, just a positional need. You're at the later teams like this is, I feel like it's just like whatever you really need at this point yeah. or best player available. Um, number 25, I got the Bills taking wide receiver Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. Number 26, I have the Tennessee Titans taking John Dotson out of Penn State. Hey, they know how to draft. They know how to draft wide receivers. That's they why I think Dotson receivers. works in Tennessee. That's yes. why I think it works. They, they they have a history of of seeing a guy who can play in the pros, ignoring the little things that every team is looking for and going and getting it. So I have that surprised me. So then at twenty seven here, I have the Bucks filling uh, a guard spot with Kenyon Green out of Texas A and M. They lost one of their guards to the Bengals. So I said to myself, I'll just fill that void. Packers here at 28. I'm going Luis seen a safety out of Georgia yep. just because you know what you need. I feel like their secondary is very inconsistent and you have Adrian Amos, but 
I looked at their corners. You got Jair Alexander and you have Rasul Douglas. I think that's fine, but adding another safety into that mix, I think will help them tremendously. He's a tremendous tackler. Yeah, um, makes really he, good plays on the football. Right. He's a fantastic player from what, from what we've seen. Um, you know, he's fast as hell. He runs a 4.37. Uh, he was absolute dynamite for Georgia in the, in the playoffs and, and winning that for them in the national championship. I'm surprised he is going this deep in the draft, but um, I feel he's like projected to be a second round pick actually. Yeah. Which is I, crazy I'm, to me. That's why I right. said, I'm going to, if I'm the Packers here at 28 and I'm looking at all these fucking guys and then there's the Luis C like, that's who I want. Exactly. That's who I would if, want. if you have a deep round pick, why, why wouldn't you? So it's like, it's okay to reach a little bit once you get to these picks too. Like we've seen it a fucking million times over the years. Number 29, number 29, we get the Kansas city chiefs going back to back here. I got them taking wide receiver sky Moore out of Western Michigan speedster potential Tyree kill replacement. That's where I was going with that. And I went Andrew Booth jr. Out of Clemson, the corner. And then at 31, I went Kier Aleem to the Bengals corner out of Florida because obviously they need corners. Yeah. And then to round it out, just kind of throw away pick. I went Travis Johnson defensive tackle out of Connecticut. Gotcha. Like it's, I mean, there's this no, draft yeah, can literally the, go anywhere. Like that can go so, anywhere. That's the thing. Not many people know really that much about it. So it's hard to really put a pin in it and, and you know, kind of see what every team is going to do. Mm-hmm. Who knows how accurate the mock draft is going to be, but I'm excited for it. I think there's a lot of good players, especially in the late round that are being slept on that could turn out to be good players. But yeah, there's, there's really no huge quarterback pick that we're always used to kind of being the, the driving force of the marketing for the draft. Like, Oh, can't wait to watch Joe Burrow go first. Oh, there's four quarterbacks. There's Baker, Josh Rose, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. We have have Willis and and Kenny Pickett. And then like Matt Matt Corral from fucking Ole Miss. Dem- Desmond Ritter, uh, yeah, the quarterbacks in this class are not. Uh, hey, I'm, dude, it's a change of pace. It's a very defensive and offensive line driven draft. Yeah, I like that. That's, that's what, I think it's got to have those I, guys. I think it's good for these teams where you don't have to take a quarterback. You can actually take someone to improve your roster. Exactly. Because like, I feel like over the years we've seen teams like, oh geez, like the Cardinals Jaguars. taking Josh Rosen. Like, oh like, right. Like, eh, like you could have really got a better positional player for your team instead of just saying, oh, we're going to take a quarterback for taking a quarterback. So. Just, yeah, to take a quarterback, take a quarterback. And then, and then they had to take Kyler Murray. So it was a waste of a pick. Exactly. Why not take Why not take someone that you know is going to play a smaller role but could turn into a, you know, franchise player, even yeah. if it's on the defense or on the O-line? Exactly. Exactly. So, All right. Um, do you have I'll any ask other – I'll ask you this based off your mock draft and how the research that you did, who is the winner of this draft? The winner of this draft. I think the winner of this draft would have to be. If it goes by your, your mock draft, I would say the New York jets. Yeah. I would say the New York jets getting a Kongu at four and getting sauce Gardner at 10. Like, Obviously, they're going to have a good draft. Green Bay, I like Green Bay getting uh, the it's wide hard to lose the, It's hard to lose a draft when you have the four and the ten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I like Kyle Hamilton going to 13 to the Texans. I think if there's one team that can maybe make that work, it's Houston just because they brought in all those fucking Patriots guys in their exactly. front office. Like, 
Yeah. I feel like that's why they can work and they get Derek Stingley Jr. Um, Obviously, Jacksonville getting the number one pick, getting Aiden Hutchinson. That's a fucking W. Um, Patriots getting Chris Olave. That's a W. I mean, there's a lot of there is a lot of good talent that isn't quarterback driven in this draft. And I'm just very excited because it can literally go all over the place. This is what I'm excited for. I can't project. There's no like one, two, three, four, five, like there has been in years past. Right. So that's the best part of it. Mm -hmm. It's, it's the not unpredictability. Yes, absolutely. So that said, that'll conclude our uh, core sports. We'll move on to jerseys of the week and then we'll wrap it up. Great episode. So yeah, I know. Yes. Just just, we'll let's talk some jerseys. Well, there is one jersey that only needs to be talked about this week, and it is yep. the Kansas City Royals City Connect jerseys. Oh, my God. Those are gorgeous. Chef's Holy kiss. Holy crap. Because like, you saw, Dude, do you remember a couple weeks ago when I was talking about these? And I couldn't yeah. remember where I, where I saw them. Yeah. I wasn't crazy. I know you were weren't. I, and those are beautiful. That fucking beautiful. hat. I mean, like the, 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 uh, it's, it's obviously for the fans that don't know, it's a, Kansas City's a city of fountains, and it's based off of like the fountains that they have in their at their, their ballpark, yeah. and like the Royals logo, just the way like the lines so match smooth. up, and like the the light blue dark blue contrast always is always looks good. The hats are the hats are fire. Listen, Kansas City has been doing their jerseys and their hats right for years now, and I yeah. mean I expect nothing less from yeah. the Kansas City Royals. Big fan, so. If you haven't seen those, go check it out. But that will conclude episode 27 of the Fairweather Fans. One of the best episodes we've done. Had, this opinion. is this top three to eight three. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. If you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week, definitely to preview NHL playoffs, round two of the NBA playoffs. Uh, the NFL draft is tomorrow, uh, April 27th at 7 o'clock. Definitely go check that out. Um, but, yeah, without further ado, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Taylor Hall is a Boston Bruin. Taylor Hall is a Boston Bruin. That he is.